Hey folks, welcome once again to another episode of There's Just Something About Kansas City where we're in casual conversation and positive conversation about this city, its people, its places, its things, because there is just something about Kansas City. I can't tell you how happy I am and how afraid I am to have these two people <laughs> in at the exact same time. It's almost more afraid than I was with Grunhard and Moss, okay, about something going off oh, the I'd be rails. Way, I'd be way more afraid about <laughs> Grunny and Billy Bob. I mean, come on. These, this is Kansas City's broadcasting power couple, as you recognize both of them from uh, their great, long career, successful careers here in Kansas City. Chris Ketz, KMBC TV, longtime anchor, and, uh, of course, his wife, Dana Wright, Hello, Dana and Parks, uh, KMBZ radio just, for a long time, and former investigative reporter and anchor at KCTV5. I'm just Mr. Dana Wright. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I understand how that stuff mm-hmm. works. Yes. <laughs> well, how are you? Good. Good. You good? You yeah. both good? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Here's the deal. How did this happen? <laughs> People ask us all the time, how did you two meet? It's and, a, I, and I don't, I, we I don't, don't know. know. We don't know. It's a small fraternity. I asked you on my show the other day, Frank, how did you and I meet? You, you know this business. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I think I met you through media things, and I know I met him through media things. It was probably a homicide or a car wreck. I hate to say it. You want it to be some flowery, happy, romantic story. It was probably somebody's worst day because we were both uh, reporting opposite each other for the 10 o'clock news at that time. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You you were competitors at that time. Yeah, and he was a jerk out in the field. See, she says that. (laughs) I knew that's where that was going. She, 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 I don't remember, I don't remember her necessarily treating her any differently than I did the rest of the competition, but... I mean, you know, on the street, reporters were all kind of fighting the same battles oh, yeah. and facing the same challenges, whether it's at work or on the street or whatever. And um, she swears up and down <laughs> that I treated her dismissively. I don't, I don't recall. Just period. I don't recall that that was. I just don't recall. Which is right. the definition of dismissively. Yes. <laughs> And, and you are again? <laughs> well, no, I, but you remember, Frank, like oh, Mike Mahoney oh, yeah. and Chris Ketz out in the field were brutal. the brutal 10,000-pound gorilla in the room. And, and you know, it's we're very— cutty, we're, we're teddy bears. So, oh, so back stop. in the day, no one else could get a word in edgewise. And now it's come full circle because he can't get a word in edgewise. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we know that, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, so so you decided to marry him and shut him up? Is yeah. that what you're trying to well, It's like, stop <laughs> stepping on my questions. <laughs> this is my crime scene, you ass. And then after that, we got along famously. Yeah, yeah. it's true because he is a very well, and the deal was he probably wasn't dismissive. He's so serious. Yeah, he was always. I mean, this is serious business. You come from, you know, your dad was a, a tremendously uh, uh, popular broadcaster back yep. in the Quad Cities for years and years and years and years, and that's how you learned the business. That's how you learned to do it, and you started at a very young age mm-hmm. as well, at eighteen on I radio. And then eventually went to Quad Cities for for television after that, and like eventually came here. But you were always a very serious guy. But not that you weren't, Dana, because yeah. you were an investigator. <laughs> you were jumping out of bushes with microphones. I was. Okay, Channel I, Five I back in the day, but yeah. in a different way. I think you and I both came about the business in a very different way. Now I, you weren't you weren't jumping out of bushes. I, I jumped out of a couple. Wow, well. <laughs> you you ain't gonna see me coming. I'll tell you that. I'll get you. <laughs> 
Hey, he already has his arms folded. Right? <laughs> this, is, this is really. This is, this He's is already gonna, sitting oh, in defensive oh, posture. Oh, this is going to be go. a. All right. This is going to be a painful <laughs> hour. But go ahead. Yeah, this is what this is going to be. No, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think you know. I don't even know that you know this. Uh, I started out in pre-law. I was going to be a lawyer. God, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I thought I wanted, I wanted to be I a criminal. I think there are times she still does. Lawyer. Yeah. yeah. And so so we get to do a lot of that fun stuff on our show when we talk about legal issues that I know nothing about but pretend that I do. And the reason I switched from law to journalism is because of great sports broadcast legend Greg Sharp's wife. Wow. Know that. I don't How know that, that I've even told you this. Greg yeah. Sharp, voice of the Huskers. Yep. Yes. I was home one day and uh, in Topeka flipping around. And I saw Amy Leitz on the news delivering a report for Channel 27. And I thought, huh. well, goddamn, if Amy Leitz can do that, <laughs> what's she doing on Channel 27? I want to do it. It was this, I went to high school with Amy. Amy. Have you told Amy She this? does know this. And we're friends to this day. And I went back to KU and I wandered into the J School and I said, hey. I got this friend in Topeka doing this. Where's my invite? This is what I want to do. I can't believe people get paid to do this. And the guy literally looked across the desk at me. I'm trying to remember. It was the dean at the time. And he said, come on in. And that was it. I had the grades to switch. I switched over. I think I got a minor in criminology or something right. worthless I you know, didn't need. But I think there's a part of you that probably on some level still maybe wishes you had followed a legal path. Because of yeah. your, to this day, she has a, a keen interest in the law and probably knows more about law than maybe even some lawyers. I, I will tell you this. If I had the time and the money, I would go directly to law school. And I'd probably go into media law. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be Bernie Rhodes. That, that, but not, and not, I could not, let me take that back. No one can be Bernie Rhodes. Yeah, it would be God my aspiration to be the greatest media lawyer in, in the country, and I think that he is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the deal is, too, it's funny how we get into this situation. I had <clears throat> no intention of being in the media. Yeah. I was a football coach when I got out of Villanova, and just I had a business, I had a, a BS in finance from Villanova. I was going to Wall Street or whatever yeah. and decide now I'll coach football like an idiot. You know, I mean, it was it was great. Yeah. It was wonderful. But it, it was just, and then all of a sudden you get this, somebody gives you this, or you saw Amy Leeds on, on TV. Yeah. You saw your dad every day. You see somebody and you go, I, I think I'd like to do that. I yeah. really That looks like a great way to stay in sports for me, but not be a coach, you know, not put those hours in, not do that, yeah. you know, 17 hours a day looking at film type. Yeah, I think most of us came about it through kind of a side door, except yeah. Chris is one of the exceptions where I yeah. think you knew from, I knew early oh, on. my God. This yeah. is what I wanted Forever. to do. And, and, and the other thing for you is sometimes that drives you away. You know, Dad's one. I'm not gonna do what yeah. Dad does. Well, I, that I was no the case. That was the case with my two younger brothers. I think they saw what Dad did. They saw the um, the toll, the price that that he paid in terms of the the family events that you miss at night mm -hmm. because you're anchoring a ten o'clock newscast. And I think that um, I, I think that probably had something to do with why they followed the path that they did. But this is all I've ever wanted to do, mm -hmm. which is a little scary to think about. Um, You're 40. Yeah, I'm, it's 40 years at KNBC this yeah. year for me. And just in the business, 45 and a half. Yeah. yeah. I was a 18-year-old kid working and stepped into a – I was still Doing a senior radio. in high school when I walked into a 1,000-watt radio station in Moline, Illinois. 
That's that sometimes that's the way you have to do it, and then yeah. you graduate from there to TV. And, and having dad probably didn't hurt. Abs no, no. Did it open doors in the beginning yeah. in Moline, Illinois? Damn right it did. Of course it did. Sure. I was Jim King's kid. Yeah. Absolutely it did. But um, um, and and the guy who gave me my first job, uh, who is who has since passed away, um, a guy named Mark Minnick, uh, who was one of the um, best bosses I I ever had. Um, you know, I didn't have any experience. I didn't have any formal training. I was on the high school forensics team, and I seemed to be able to read a newscast. Yeah, and so he reads I a mean prompter. So I, so I, uh, so I got I got a job reading weekend news again at this at this small radio station. But it was a radio station, and this is an illustration of how times have changed in Moline, Illinois, a city of about forty five thousand and a metropolitan area at the time of about three hundred fifty thousand. They had a six person full time news department, and they had just won a national headliners mm-hmm. award when I got there. So I, I learned under some phenomenal people, really. Who really, went on to do probably who some went on phenomenal to, yeah. things, yeah. And so, um, um, you know, and I've always given myself credit for this, whether it was starting at that radio station or walking into KNBC for the first day on the 4th of July in 1983. Um, those were two moments where I walked in, looked around, and knew immediately, man, I'm in way over my head. I have no business being here. Um, this can only end in, yeah. this is, this is going to end in, in flames. Okay. But I, I, I give myself credit for this. I, um, I was smart enough to know at that moment, if I just kept my mouth shut and watched how these much better people worked, I might learn something. When I walked into KNBC and in, in, on the 4th of July of 83, I'm walking into a newsroom. I'm to my right, the late great Edward Lewis to my left, Michael Mahoney. Next to him, Bob Worley. A couple of months later, Bev Chapman, who is, for my money, Bar none. If, there's a best, if there's a better writer in, in television or in media, show me, because I haven't seen it. Peggy Bright next to her. Mm-hmm. Again, I knew I wasn't anywhere near uh, these people in, in terms of ability, talent, whatever. But don't you think yeah. the ones that are the best at what we do, Frank, come in with that mindset you know oh. we've, we've worked with the opposite where i'm here you're welcome right and that doesn't work out very well in this town um i i when i started at channel five uh you walked into a terrified wendell Anschutz was there yeah. and peterson mm-hmm. reed black uh i mean the list goes on and on and i'm this ding-a-ling from topeka you want to talk about somebody who would, would have been dismissive to you it would have been reed black oh it was just <laughs> oh my gosh i just remember being just i can't believe i'm here or let me rephrase that i can't believe they let me in here yeah, yeah right i had the same feeling i can't believe they've let me in here yeah, it's a little different than walking into j school oh going, i can do yeah, that i can do yeah. that i saw amy no, i can do that you walk in and go Oh, my God. Despite the fact you'd worked in Topeka, uh, you know, for for that period of time to get your feet wet. The big question for me was, um, especially at KNBC, how long could I last before I got to a point? Before they know. Yeah, before they figured it out. (laughs) Before I exposed myself. Before before they figured it out, man, he didn't know anything. Yeah. Uh, And that was was a, um, man, that, that fear back then kept me up at night yeah well and Many it also nights. kept you on your toes yes doing doing the right thing and then you could i survive yeah larry moore yeah i mean you know you're sitting there and there's, yeah. there's larry moore and you with wendell Inch oh, and gosh. ann peterson yep. who actually for ann peterson she did walk out of college she did yeah. walk out of so, j school onto yeah. a top 30 tv market now, this is how know? little i knew there, there was a day that ann peterson was gone dear dear friend of mine by the way yeah. uh barb porter one of my 
greatest friends to this day was gone. And I had come up as a former news anchor in Topeka who, again, was very young and knew nothing. And so for whatever reason, everybody was – I don't know if the flu had wiped through the newsroom, but they said you're going to be anchoring the five, the 5, 6, and 10 today with Wendell. This is how – With, I don't know Wendell, I, with, with the Wendell Anschutz. The legendary you know, Wendell Anschutz. Sitting next to – I think it was William Rest Jackson at the time or Leif Lysak was there. Eyeliner. It, just crazy talented people. And I uh, – this is how little I knew. I didn't know where the studio was. <laughs> Do you remember, how, Frank? Our studio was in the basement. I was in the basement. I uh, oh, that. I was there I've a while. Because yeah. at Channel 5, you were out on the but streets. You were, you were still at 4500 China Mission Parkway, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. And okay. so I didn't know where I was going. But I'll be damned if I was going to tell anybody about it. I'm going to read a mean damn prompter next to Wendell Anschutz. I ain't fucking this up. So I literally am following the producer. I do my makeup upstairs, panicking, because I know the studio's somewhere in the basement, but I don't know where it is. So we go down these, you know, OSHA nightmare concrete steps, and I'm following Chris Selfridge, who's now in yes, Chicago, yes, yes, down the stairs, yes. and he's got the scripts, and I'm following. Well, the producer's booth's on the left. Mm -hmm. The studio's back behind these, you know, crazy prices, right doors on the right. <laughs> I follow him to the left, and he goes, what are you doing? And I go, um... I mean, were you going to hand me the scripts or like I'm literally trying? <laughs> You're tap dancing, tap yeah. dancing like, and I think he knew she doesn't know where the goddamn studio is. <laughs> this this girl isn't going to last twelve minutes in this town. There's just something about Kansas City and the door to the studio to Channel Five. So he moves me along and shuffles me off to the right, and then I think I see Katie Horner, and I'm like, I'm okay now. I know where I'm at. Right, and so then they open the doors, and all yeah. of a sudden. The lights are yeah, on. Yeah, there's the desk. And there's Wendell yeah. sitting there going, where you been? Yeah, I'm, I was <laughs> prepping. But Wendell. <laughs> Hold it. Wendell, Put my mascara on. <laughs> may he rest in peace. Uh, yeah, God bless I'm him. Gonna, I'm going to, knowing Wendell as I did, I'm going to assume that, I mean, there was not a nicer guy no. in oh God, he's this business, world. in this town, than Wendell. We finished yeah. that first newscast, and he turned to me, and he said, Dana, that was good. You're a real pro. Wow. And I about fell out of that chair. I'll bet wow. you did. And then I said, can you tell me how to get back upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, you know, my first day at KNBC on the 4th of July, 83. So I walk in and I, you know, it was it was even money. I could even find the, the studio downtown. We were in the Old Lyric yeah. Theater. The Old Lyric Theater, sure. 11th and Century. Forever. Forever. And so I walk in, find the newsroom. It's a holiday, so nobody's there. Um, I meet the assignment manager, a guy named Paul McCarthy, and he said, hi, how are you? Welcome. Uh, we're going to send you to Topeka, where we need you to find the governor of Kansas. But at the time, there was a story about the first lady of Kansas, and at the time, it was John Carlin. Apparently, his wife, and there was some controversy or squabble about some money that was spent about a Putting, uh, building a pool at Cedar Crest in Topeka. So we want you to go to Topeka and find the governor and ask him about it. Just go knock on, on the door. On the 4th of July. On the 4th of July. Sure. First day. <laughs> Nothing to it. You know, today, <laughs> if we have somebody new come in, we usually kind of give them a couple of days yeah. to kind of figure out where the bathrooms <laughs> are, <laughs> where the studio how to pick up the phone, stuff, you know, just we kind of ease them in. No, this oh, was literally, Paul McCarthy said, hi, how are you? Listen, you need to you head yeah. to Topeka. So I, um, thank goodness, um, the photographer I was with, one of the best photojournalists on the face of the planet, who still does some work for us now and then, his son works for us for full time, Tim Twyman. 
thank God I, I was out with Tim because at least he knew. He knew where to go. He knew where to go. <laughs> he knew where the governor's mansion was. He knew was. where the governor's <laughs> mansion was. And see, and I knew, I knew John, Car- I knew enough to know that John Carlin was governor, but I had no, I wouldn't know John Carlin if he were sitting next to me. Right. I had no idea what the guy looked like. You get by with a little help from your friends in this business. So you get you get by with a lot of help from your friends. And so, long story short, we figured out where the governor was. He was he was at some at some Fourth of July celebration at the of the um, uh, at the at the Army Depot in in Topeka. Found him. Uh, he was gracious enough to do an interview with us. We actually filed a story at ten o'clock that night. I don't know how we it, by some miracle we actually got on the air. And I guess the story was okay, and it made sense. Um, our mutual friend, Mike Bush. Oh, yeah. Mike, who was doing sports for us and then went on to a phenomenal career as a news anchor in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. He's, he's the guy. And I'll never forget, so we're watching the piece air in the newsroom, and, and Mike Bush, I, he may not even remember this, turned to me and said, man, you're good. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, my God, you know. Sure. Um, so, and, 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 you know, one other lesson that I learned that day, mm-hmm. I made a serious mistake that probably a lot of reporters make to this day, is I, I always made it a point to introduce the photographer that I was working with to whoever we were talking to. And I made the mistake of saying, um, this is my photographer, my photographer. And Tim Twyman, on the way back oh, from yeah, Topeka in the car, <laughs> set me straight on that. So I am not yours. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. He was, you know, I didn't know. I was just didn't know. Yeah, sure. To this day, yeah. I've ne- I only made that mistake once. And thanks to Tim, I've never made that mistake again. Yeah, right. Because you have to induce them a different way, yeah. So you... Were you born in Quad Cities? Yeah. I find I'm about born in Omaha. But oh, I grew, you're born in Omaha. Born, okay. born in Omaha, but grew up in the Quad grew Cities. Grew up in Quad Cities. Yeah. And I find I'm looking at Quad yeah, Cities. In Moline, yeah. Right. It, it's not, I thought it was four cities. Yeah, it's five. No, it's five. In it's what world? It's like the Big no, 12. No, no, in what world does that make sense? It's what we do. I don't it's, know. It's the shape of, the, of that area is a quadrangle. That's well, why they that. call it the Quad. That's I, why they call it the Quad Cities. See, I always thought it was just the four main cities, Davenport, Bettendorf on the Iowa side of the Mississippi River. Right. Other side is is Moline, Rock Island. East Moline is is also part of the Quad Cities yeah. now. But um, um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, even growing up, Quad Cities, Quint Cities. We right. but more, mostly Quad Cities. Yeah, and, and then you were born in Emporia, yep. correct? So was my wife, Sarah. Yep. Um, what hospital were you born in? Uh, I believe it was just the only one that's there. Is Newman? It, is it now? Newman? Yeah. yeah. I think she was born in St. Mary's, which is now a retirement home. My parents a, sent me a photo a home. this oh, last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My parents sent me a photo last week. They were driving through Emporia. They took a photo of this old ramshackle dilapidated house and sent it to me. My father is a very funny guy. And he said, you were conceived on this front porch. <laughs> And I have been in therapy since. <clears throat> That's my dad. I go, wow. Yeah, I can see Craig. I can, I can see Craig doing that. Thanks, Dad. And he literally said, "Yeah, I really gave it my all that night." I swear to God, Frank. I swear to you. Sounds like Craig. That's the text I got while I'm on the air. Thanks, Dad. That's great. That's, that's great. Was there a swing so there? Frame that for my mantle. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Was it on the floor or right. the front porch? Was it on a swing? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, you had to be there. that yeah. little chunk yeah. on me. Hey, so he gave it his all. Hey, gave it his all. Gave it his all, and here she is. I don't think we were there very long. I think, like, I was born. My father was in school studying to be a drummer. He's a musician, professional musician by trade. 
And my mom was in the teacher's college. They get pregnant with me, and they move back to Topeka, where his father, my late grandfather Norman, right. was a farmer for years and worked at First National Bank downtown and all this great stuff. And so I don't think we were in Emporia five minutes. I mean, I think they were there for a while. Sure. They both dropped out of college. He worked as a professional musician until I was about 12 years old. Oh, really? I grew up in a bar eating maraschino cherries, listening. Now I know the problem. Yep, yep that's right. <laughs> and listening to the greatest now, music. <laughs> they did covers of, oh, my gosh, that's why I love Elton John and the Beatles. And, yeah. I, like, I grew up listening to great music. In a smoke-filled room. In a smoke-filled <laughs> room. You know it. That, that is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have great history. goes all the way back to the state of Wisconsin mm-hmm. with uh, your great, great, great On my father's side, right? Yep. Um, yep. I, uh, uh, you know, as you said, my, my father um, anchored in this business. He was at the ABC station up in Moline. Named for Jim King. I want you to Jim explain King. that. Well, and here's the, the story about, so I'm born in Omaha. My dad was doing sports at the ABC station up in, up in Omaha, which is now a Hearst station. It's ours. Mm-hmm. And um, so when he got the job, and he grew up in Chicago, Lincoln Park, Okay, and uh, went to the Air Force and met my mom while he was uh, in the service. And so when he got his he, he got that job at KETV up in Omaha, uh, the general manager at the time thought that the last name Ketz, um, which is I'm German and Scott Irish and mm-hmm. um, Mexican and Chilean on my mother's side. Right. And so the general manager of the television station thought that the name Ketz sounded too ethnic. To German. So, so he made my dad change it, and he did to King, which is, and he kept that as his air name through until right. the day he died. And you know, if you went up to the Quad Cities, if you said Jim Ketz, they might might not know. But if you said Jim King, oh, everybody, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, okay, gotcha. So, um, so they, they made him change his name, and um, you know, I was I was I was born in Omaha, but we were only there a couple of years, and then the station um, he signed on with the ABC station in Moline. Uh, from day one, and, um, you know, uh, passed away on the 2nd of January, 1999. He was uh, pushing a snowblower on the day of a blizzard. I mean, they had a foot of snow and shopping malls closed and the, everything shut down. And um, uh, I'll tell you something, I'll, I'll never forget, and this is only something that I think maybe people in the business might appreciate, but uh, so on the day my father died, um, what did all three local television newscasts lead with up there? It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't the blizzard. The, it wasn't the fact. It wasn't the fact there was a foot of snow. It was the fact my dad passed away, yeah. which was I think. Which I think he would have. Oh, he would have loved that. Oh, I he think he would have thought yeah. that was. Pretty I cool. scooped them all. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right, so, he did. And, and the deal but, is too, uh, you had that wonderful privilege and yes. to anchor with him on Father's Day. Father's Day, nineteen ninety-eight at, at KMBC. At KMBC, that my my boss at the time, our our very good friend. Uh, Brian Bracco, who, uh, yes. for those who don't know, is uh, he was the guy who who made me a weeknight anchor when I was on no anchor track whatsoever. And to this day, I say to Bracco when I and we see each other a fair amount, the hell were you thinking about? <laughs> I mean, oh, he knew him and him and 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 our, our at the time vice president general manager. These were two of the best bosses I've ever had: Dino Denovitz and Brian Bracco, bar none. Mm-hmm. And these guys. You know, when I got to KNBC in '83, you were you would have been hard pressed to find a television station with a worse image in its community than ours. And it was Dino and Bracco who were the architects Turned of, it to, uh, to to at least for my money, one of the great turnarounds in tele in television broadcasting history. I mean, these guys. And so, um, but but Bracco had this idea, 
Um, and he came to me one day and he said, "Do you think your Do you think your dad would come down and anchor a, a Sunday night Father's Day That's newscast awesome. with you?" And I said, "So I don't know. I'll ask." And I did. And of course, my dad jumped on it so and great. came down. Yeah. And it was a, the Sunday night tenant. Busby was doing weather. Mm-hmm. Dave Stewart was doing sports. And one of the great nights um, ever in our family. And I, it's funny because I mean, people still come up to me and they still remember that mm-hmm. night. And then he would he would pass away the following January. But um, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Now that is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And yeah. f- and for you. You're doing a TV thing. You're a journalist. You're doing a TV thing. Yeah. And you're Casey, and then you're the investigative reporter doing all that stuff. When did you make the decision? I went out of this, and I am yeah. going to go do something else. And how did that all come about? Because, you know, Dana and Parks afternoons now is yeah. just you know it's a monster. You created a monster. I mean, you're like number one in ratings through that. You know, two, two to six time slot, which is a really tough time slot. It's drive time. Yeah. It's all my thing. wife creating a so, monster. Yeah. Think about that for she, a second. Okay. Well, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Dad and mom, uh, okay, created the monster yeah. on that front porch. <laughs> and then she, yeah. she, she, she became who she is today. Yes, go it's ahead. Cra- it's a crazy story. Uh, they yeah. asked me two, three, four times over the course of about two years. Were you still, wor- you still working? I was still TV. working at Channel 5, but you know television's a grind. The hours are terrible. I had four children and had missed a lot of stuff. Yes. You know that. I mean, sure. I'm working, getting up at midnight to do mornings, you know, coming home at midnight after doing, you know, I, I had a baby in a swing about two weeks old. I'll never forget it. And one of the assignment editors said, we need you to go to a standoff in Raytown. And standoff is code for no one is inside. Right. You're going to be standing there until 1 a.m. freezing your ass off. And there's not going to be anyone in there, and then we're all going to go home. Yeah, right. And I knew I had this baby at home. And uh, that was about the time I thought, God, I just don't know I can continue doing this because uh, you've got the mom guilt. Sure you I'm, do. I'm out, yeah. you know, I'm out doing this that it really, in the scheme of things, isn't going to matter a hill of beans tomorrow. And then I got this baby at home screaming because I was breastfeeding. I used to pump breast milk in a live van as they were dredging <laughs> for a fisherman's body in one of our bodies of water around town. I mean, I've I've got some crazy mom stories back in the day. Uh, and let me tell you, ladies, if they, they don't tell you how hard breastfeeding is. They certainly don't tell you that you're going to be waiting for a floater, okay, <laughs> got uh, a floater. With, with your photographer, Rob Rhodes, <laughs> yes. who then, right. and using the uh, plug-in in the van to plug uh, your breast pump in. I mean, I did it, all of that. And then finally one day was like, my God, I just don't know how long I can keep doing this. But the television business for 17 years was very, very good to me. Very, very good to me. And the contacts that I have and made and friends to this day are still in my life that have helped me in the radio transition. But Scott Parks took me out, bought me a drink, and said, we want you to come do radio. And I said to him, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard (laughs) in my entire life. Because back then, I I called it, and and lovingly, my father's an old angry white guy, I called it old angry white guy radio. And I I said, Scott, I don't even listen to your show. It's a bunch of guys yelling about, I don't Ronald Reagan or something. I I don't know. Screaming about politics. Shit doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I'm the mom that is literally worried about how, you know, what's going on with soccer. And sure. and I'm just in a different phase of my life. And he said, no, 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 no. That's why we think this is going to work. We don't want to scream about Ronald Reagan anymore or whoever it was they were screaming about. And so for two years, I said no. And then finally, one day, I, I, I don't remember what the breaking point was. I just remember thinking, why not? Yeah. The hours are way better. 
Why not? And one of the things he said was, you will never have more fun in your life. We can control what we talk about. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to talk about the child that was shot down the street, we don't have to talk about that. We can talk about what we want to talk about, make it our own. Um, And I do firmly believe there was a moment about a year in, I don't think we knew what we were doing for the first couple of years, quite frankly. Uh, I didn't know where the studio was. There was there was a moment of a couple years in where we looked at the board, and the board in front of us is the callers coming in, and the screened calls coming in, and it said Anne, Betsy, Mary, and Scott said, "Oh my God, look at the board!" And I said, "What?" And he said, "It's all women." He said, "We never had a woman call in before." And I said, "Yeah, no your, wonder your show is fucking terrible." <laughs> I'm sorry. I love is it, you. Is it okay that she drops these F bombs? <laughs> oh, yeah. The more is the it, merrier. Okay, fine. All right. Just, I know, just, just check. Scott, it. Just like, check. If it's crazy if you ask women their opinions about stuff that matters to them every single day, and very little of that, by the way, happens in Washington. Like, they'll have opinions about stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And men are the same way. And so, you know, we made um, the conscious decision very early on when I decided to jump. I said, number one, I voted for Barack Obama twice, and the general manager said, we know we don't care. And I said, number two, I don't ever want to talk about politics that does not matter to the listener on this program. I'm not doing it. Don't even ask me about what's going on in Washington. I don't give two shits what's going on in Washington mm-hmm. right now. Uh, unless we will mention the passing of John McCain. God yeah, rest sure. his soul. Mm-hmm. You will mention that, and then we move on. We yeah. don't say, how do you feel about his political history and the votes that he made? No one cares. Right. Like the, People are just trying to figure out how to afford food and gasoline right now, right? And rent. And rent. And they came by, young kids came by. And homes. my God, the, the people like losing their pets because they lost their uh, homes. I mean, that's the stuff that, that, to me, that matters. How can we help? There's something about Kansas City. That's the name of your podcast. There's just something about Kansas City. You know, what is it that matters here? Right. And once in a blue moon, that will be political. But it is very, very rare because you know what politics does? It pisses people off. And half the people change the channel. Yeah. And if I know anything about radio, you don't want half the people changing the channel. Right. And I, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you got in a situation where it was pretty scary for you. Yeah. Because you ended up with this guy who takes yeah. you a death threat. Yeah. Which you're just going, what? And you guys really weren't even dealing in politics at that no. time. No, it's interesting. We've had death threats come in against the president. And if you do that, by the way, uh, CIA you're and Secret Service jail. will knock on your door. And the they, FBI will find yeah, you. They will yes. find They're they very good. They have your phone. They're good about you. that. Yeah. <laughs> they have your phone. They have your phone okay, number. Okay, they know exactly where you comes are. comes in on the text line. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we've had a lot of um, strange things come in to that number where um, I don't look at the text line anymore. I, I, there is some use in that where people will... Uh, weigh in, and, and Scott handles that and reads those. But it's also the worst of the worst because people think they're anonymous and they're yeah, not. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, and so we have, we've had, Chris, what would you say, four or five threats over the last several years where it got <coughs> to the point that it was just like, oh, my gosh, now we've got to have security here. And sure. um, one of the uh, last times it happened, I had had enough, and we uh, prosecuted that case to the mm-hmm. fullest extent of the law. And That's good. It was a felony criminal threat, and... Uh, the topic at the time, I can't even remember, but he was angry over my mispronunciation of a town in Canada. Yeah. Something Re- crazy. Regina, you, you, Regina Saskatchewan. Regina, yeah. which, by the way, okay, I yeah. Regina did not understand how funny that was. That's what it was. The topic was a town of Regina. The powers that be thought, let's be cheeky, let's be funny, and we'll change the um, convention and visitors bureau. bureau. Uh, they had a whole campaign Come visit our Regina. 
You know, that was the campaign. I'm not making this up. And I didn't understand why this was controversial. I go, well, I've never, what's Regina? I don't understand. And Scott goes, "Um, it's pronounced Regina. I go, oh. (laughs) And the whole campaign was, come on in. It's warm. It's happy. You'll have fun here. And of course, I missed the joke. Before you leave, you'll be totally satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And some nutbag is listening to this. And his whole takeaway from this topic is, how dare you mispronounce that town? And so when the threats would come in, and Chris will tell you this, it was never about abortion, which we don't talk about. No. It was never about guns, which I refuse anymore to talk about. And it, it was never about politics, which I, bar none, will not talk about. It's always about some dumb, some crazy, crazy stuff. stuff. Women in technology was one of them. Kansas City is a great place for STEM and women in technology. And my God, some guy took Offense to that. Offense to that, right. and I'm going to come there and blah, 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 you know. But, but and, and Kansas City just became one of the 41 yes. cities, ends up with yes. all this money from the government yes. to be a bio hub. Yes. So KC is a bio hub. So we're talking about yes. happy things. Yes. And then <laughs> somehow, some I guy know. with a screw loose, yes, I'm going to kill Dana. <laughs> and it's, here's the deal. The sports guys always would walk me to my car before we I had know. security. And God bless all those sports guys. All I'm the, like, the, it's the, not your job. To, and they would laugh. They would go... It's always Dana. There's just something about Dana. We need a podcast. No. There's just something about Dana. Guys, that's not a bad idea. Because the sports guys would go, what the fuck did you say today? And the I go, I don't know. 610 Sports, their studios and, yeah. and BZ Studios, they're right next they're, to each they're other. They're so Carrington. sweet. Absolutely. Carrington and, and Cody so and all those guys. And what she didn't what she didn't mention was the, the, the threat that we're talking about in particular was made by a guy who was reacting to something at four in the morning. That's yeah. when he sent that text. And Amy Anderson saw it. And Amy Anderson on the mornings saw it, but he was clearly listening to the podcast. He wasn't listening, listening. to the live. Oh, very live. strong right. podcast numbers. Broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, clearly. I just hoped he had a meter. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. But so anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah. Been, it's been crazy. But that's the one half of one half of one half of one percent of the only thing I can complain about of what has been the greatest job of my life. Lifetime. Yes. Because well, you can tell. The stuff we get to say is the stuff as a news anchor I always wanted to say that would get me in trouble if I went there. And I'll give you a quick example. And rightly so. We were talking about fruitcake one day, speaking of fruitcakes, actual fruitcake, which if anyone's ever had fruitcake, it sucks. It tastes like shit. And I made a joke on the air at Channel 5 that, you know, some guy said, I, you know, our family's in the fruitcake business and, and send everyone a fruitcake. And I go, yeah, if you hate somebody. I made a joke. And my I, Dave, the great Dave Helling, one of my best friends oh, yeah. to this day, is laughing and I'm laughing. <laughs> and I get called into the office. And I'm like, what the hell did I do now? And my boss at the time, Tracy Brogdon Miller, who's now your son's boss at Channel 4, said, right. did you make a joke about fruitcake, Dana? <laughs> Tracy, and I'm thinking my in the Rolodex of all the stuff I could have done wrong, and there, the list was deep, hmm. I go, fruit, fruit, is that what this is about? And she goes, well, someone called in and their family really enjoys fruitcake. <laughs> I swear to God, Frank. I, she, thought, she, I thought it'd be an advertiser. She one. sends me, yeah. no, we uh, sell fruitcake. She yeah. passes this phone number along to me and she goes, they're upset, you know, and these are our customers. Would you call them? And I looked at her. I love Tracy. And I thought to myself, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> You want me to pick up the phone and call some crackpot? No, this fruitcake. I bought their fruitcake. And it was around that time Scott had called again. You want to come over and do radio? And I go, where the fuck do I sign? (laughs) And that is an honest to God's true story. Because all of those things that I would want to say or make a face about, because everyone's thinking it. Oh, sure. Now they say to me, 
do more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Do more of that. Because I really do feel like, Frank, if people are thinking it, you might as well say you it. You might as well say it. Sure. Let even me know if how you feel. Even if it's uncomfortable yeah. or if it's something funny that's kind of on the margins, and I know where the line is. I'm not going to do anything to lose the license. Uh, but but if it's funny and I think it, it matters to people and they're in their car thinking it, I will vomit it all over the airwaves. Yeah. So do any of your kids, I know your son is in the business. He's yes. at Channel 4. And yes, he is. Are any of the other kids interested in this business at all? It's interesting. Two of the four are interested in law. Okay, because great. Because we would That's come wonderful. home and have conversations sure. about, we talked about this on the air today, and did you know mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm really big into, you know, your rights as a woman. My, one of my sons is is famous for saying, I think I knew my mom was a Democrat because she's always screaming about her uterus. Uh, so none of, none of them are in to politics, but they're into issues because I would come home from the radio and say, we talked about this today. What do you think? Right. Not a damn one of them wants to go into um, journalism, although my son has a journalism degree. Yeah. He uh, works at Tesla, sells real estate, is my mini me in every wonderful way and more. He is laugh just, too. He's uh, not quite the laugh that I get from my mother, by the way. Okay. But Jack is. Dana in almost every single way, but I have never been more thrilled he chose a different path. Yeah. Because yeah. the business is changing. You yeah, know it's, that. yeah, I know. You know. And the kids do think, I will say this, and I think you will agree, because they've grown up with us on television and on, you know, people say stuff to them, you know that. Yeah. I, I think they thought for the longest time that I just backwards blind and dumb fell into radio and I only talk for four hours a day and I get paid a lot of money to do it and it's fun and, you know... I think for a long time they thought that somehow this just happened. And it's it did. Easy. It did. And a lot of people will say this. I could do that. And maybe I'm not saying you, you did. could. I did. I could exactly do that. what you said. I, was, I could do that when I was 19. And I think a lot of people think that. But you know this, Frank. There's so much about this business that is a lot harder than it looks to do well for oh, a long time. And that's where I look at my husband and I go, Listen. 40 years in one station in one market is almost unheard of. You know that, yeah. especially today. Yeah, but all that, my mother would tell you, all that means is, well, it appears as if he can keep a job. <laughs> That's what <laughs> Gloria says. Say no, stay she does of, say that. Stay out of my basement. Stay out of my basement. Yeah, yeah, stay out of my basement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we've been blessed. I mean, it's literally the greatest, dumbest thing I ever did in my life was leave television during a divorce, mm-hmm. during a... I had so much going on in my life. Part of me thinks the squirrel part of my brain just needed to make a decision. I just sometimes there's a fork in the road and you just got to make a decision. Yeah. And I just picked up the phone and I said to Scott, "Okay, I'll do it." Yeah. I had no idea what we were doing. None. Here, here's here's the other thing. Now you're in this business long enough. You're doing what he's doing. He becomes the anchor he has become, yeah. and you've become yeah. the celebrity and the you know the, the person in the business that you be. You've had to have had offers from other places in the country to go do what you did. Why didn't you take those offers? Because, Frank, there's just something about <laughs> Kansas City. I knew it. Kids, I knew I you could You just teed it up. It. I'm a golfer. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I, I, we both had offers to go other places. Yes, we but all here's did. here's the yeah. deal. When I went to KU, I didn't understand why everyone around me seemed to have connections, okay? They all knew each other. All of the girls in the sororities knew each other. And I come in from Topeka... I don't, I don't understand the way the world is working at, at Kansas, okay? I could have gone anywhere, like a 3.9. I just thought, I'm from Topeka. You go to, I got into KU. I thought that was great, and it was. I didn't understand the connections and the camaraderie and the friendships. And how do you know 
to do, and it, you know what it was? It was swim and dive in Kansas City. A lot of those kids grew up playing soccer, which we did not have in Topeka, right. swim, which we did not have in Topeka. They had all of these connections already when they arrived there that I did not have. So I get here, and I so badly wanted to have that for my children. And I thought if I could just create that for them, because you know this about me, it's the most important thing, in, in my, I'll cry when I think about it. The most important thing to me in my entire life are those four kids. Oh, sure. And I wanted that for them. And they have that. And now mm-hmm. they go on and they, they are having this experience that I could have only dreamt of at their age. I mean, my daughter's been to London, and, and they have done that on their own. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily like saying I'm Dana Wright's kid, although they get asked quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't, actually. They're, they have a different last name. Part of that is by design. It was a horrible television name. Uh, <laughs> and part of that is because I didn't want them, they didn't choose this career. Yes. Right? right? right. And so they've gone on, I think Chris would say, to have a, a life I can only dream of. They're all smart kids. They're all self-sufficient. My God, they pay their bills. They work. Uh, and, and they have those connections in this town. I've lived in the same house all 22 years. Mm-hmm. And all of their best friends are in the neighborhood. All of those connections are now here for them. And if they choose to leave this town, that's their uh, choice. You'll kill them. Yeah. That, <laughs> if, if, if that's they not going to leave this town. Oh, that's not going to go well for them. That will Just, not yeah, go no. well Oh, my God, them. I'm no. so close to those babies. No. But I want them to go find their own path. I truly <coughs> do. I would prefer that that's here mm-hmm. because we all know how amazing it is to be here. It is. Uh, my son is uh, almost hit the two-year mark with with a young woman that we absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. And guess what? She's from here. She is in law school, and she is from here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is my sincere hope that they just plant here till the end S- of my days. Sincere hope. <laughs> Here's the thing: if they break up, that's not going to go well for her son. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm, saying. I'm taking She'll be fine. Frank, yeah. be fine. Frank, you know this. All of their friends in college have branched out. They've gone to Austin. They've gone to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We love going to Phoenix. I love visiting Phoenix. A uh, couple of them have gone to Colorado. You know how much I love Colorado. Yeah. You love Colorado. love Colorado. Guess what? Almost every single one of those kids has come back. Has come back, yeah. But and my wife, Chris? Sarah, has, you know, one of her, her daughters was the only one that actually, yeah. all her kids are, all my kids are here. All her grandkids are here. But her one daughter was in Vero Beach, Florida. I mean, yeah. that's a pretty nice place, right? Yeah. And she's back. She's here. And now everybody's here. If, so I, had it's one, crazy. if I could have one wish. It would be that eventually as we start closing the books on our career or somebody comes in and says, we're going to close the books now on your career. Because that's in this business, <laughs> that's, 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 that's usually how it happens, right? Mm-hmm. If I had one wish, it would be that maybe I go down someday to four days a week. We stay here and we get to play a little bit more golf. That's it. But it would be here. But right now. We can go visit you, you in Colorado. We no, can go visit right. friends in Phoenix. Yeah, You know, we're, we're um, and I, I now that I've, I've been at KNBC for 40 years. I, I, I do get the question now, well, how much longer are you going to hang around? And here's what I tell them, and it's true. You know, we're already playing golf when the weather's much nicer, mm-hmm. four or five times a week as it is now. Um, His handicap's gotten much better. Well, uh, um, here's my problem. Um, it's still a hell of a lot of fun to go to work. Mm-hmm. And, and not many people at my age at this stage in their careers can, can say that. And I know nobody knows how lucky I am more than me. Um, I still love what I do. Um, they seem to like what I do at Channel 9. Um, I have wonderful bosses. I think Hearst Television, if there's a better company out there, show me. I'm not sure there is. Um, I have a pretty good gig. 
I know it. Um, and, and the thing that, above all, if I were to say, okay, it's time to hang it up, I'm not sure I'd know what to do. You would drive me up the <laughs> well, goddamn wall is what you, you would do. There you two is play that. golf together? We do. Oh, you do? We okay. do. Not, 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 not always, right, but yes. Okay, okay but yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Continue yeah. with your thought. But um, Yeah, what would you do? I don't know what else exactly. I'd do. No. And, and it goes back to when I was a kid trying to figure out what it was I was going to do the rest of my life, not knowing what the future was going to hold. I knew I wanted to do this. And I don't know, and I've, I've often looked back and wondered, had this not worked out, how would it have turned out? Yeah. And I don't have an answer for that right. question. I, I will brag on, you, you are so humble about your, your career, but I will say this. You, you know that there are people out there, Frank, that after um, 10 years in this business, after the 6 o'clock news, uh, they maybe go have a martini. They leave. They go home. They hang out. They, they float back in at 930. Mm-hmm. Chris Ketz does not leave that building mm-hmm. ever. I will say to him. You know, my parents are in town. We're going to go grab dinner. We can come out. Eh, no, I'll just catch them when they get home. He does not leave that building. And I think it's because the business has given so much to him and so much to his family. He is so serious every day about what he does. He still writes almost everything you hear or rewrites. Mm -hmm. I would not want to be one of his young producers starting out. Uh, That it's so important to him that he continue to do the job well and i'm not knocking anybody that's deserves to go home in between and, and go grab dinner uh, hopefully you're not having a martini but no just no. go from you know what i mean and he's, he's not I a drinker exactly. but you know what i'm talking about exactly he will not about. he just loves what he does yeah and, and he's the guy that thinks well god if i leave and something happens that's exactly right he's not there he's not there yeah exactly and i think you learned that from your father i did i'll bet your father never no left. question he yeah, never my left. dad um my my dad wrote his own stuff sure and uh that's where i got it yeah uh, that's what they do okay right. here's the deal <clears throat> you both got to go eventually here. Uh, I want to. I want to ask you both a couple things, and yeah. we will get to golf here for in, in a I'll second. I'll sit here all day. What do you, but, whatever well, you need, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only work four hours a day. I I, I ain't got nowhere to be. <laughs> Jeez. I love well, this. You you do have quite <clears throat> a life. Okay. Okay. Number one. Yeah. For both of you, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, but the most bizarre or sort of you're do you're covering a story. Yeah. And you're just going. I can't believe I'm covering this story. And I think I know what yours is. Do you want it to be funny or do you oh, want it, it to be, be serious? Whatever you want it to be. Because, my God, there's you, 10 million of them. You can, well, don't give me 10 million. Give me, you can do a funny and a serious if you want. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, funny would be the proverbial cat up in a tree. There's nothing going on news wise. And we literally put that on the air with a firefighter going to get the cat. <laughs> We did that one night at Channel 5. They call that a slow news night. Yeah, that's a slow news night. Uh, not sure we led with it, but I've <laughs> but covered it. Was it. Close. I've covered it. Uh, Sirius would be a devastating explosion. It was a gas explosion. Guy flipped a light switch. It blew the house off the foundation. There was nothing left. And the man was launched about 100 yards into a tree and survived. I get there at midnight. Uh, there are curtains in trees three blocks away. I have never seen a more powerful gas explosion in my life. Fire trucks are there. Uh, the the only thing you could make out with this house, Frank, was the remnants of what was the stone fireplace. That's it. Not a car, not a tile, not a, not a lamp, nothing. And we are walking through the rain and the muck and the uh, firefighter hose stuff, and I look over, and I am not a religious person. The large 
white guy Jesus painting <laughs> yes. is perfectly untouched, <clears throat> laying on the grass. Yeah. And I looked at, I almost said my photographer, it was Kimo Hood. I looked at our photographer and I go, oh. And he goes, mm, I feel like we should maybe pick that up. And I go, yeah, I feel like we should maybe pick that up. Yeah. It was untouched. It was the only thing in that house that was untouched. We gave it to a neighbor. The man survived that blast and said he felt a presence. Yeah, when, a hand on when his the shoulder. Thing, and and mm -hmm. that the neighbor got the painting back to him. They were a very wow. religious family. Blast killed his mom and dad. Wow. And that was one of those where you stop. I was just going to step over it, and I went, I better not do yeah. that. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, look. I'm not an extremely religious person, yeah. but I ain't stepping on white Jesus from, you know, the one in the 1970s that was in every, the velvet white Jesus. I, mean, look, I know exactly what I you're I ain't stepping on that. Let's pick that up and hand that off to somebody. I, I might have to. You have, touch it. Yeah, right. I might have to kneel down right here just yeah. for a second. I mean, yeah. I have Maybe chills, put my hand on it. I have chills it. thinking about it. I still, I, I still to this day cannot remember, cannot wow. wrap my head around that story because yeah. so nothing was left, including right. his mom and dad. I mean, yeah, I know. just killed right Gosh. then and there. Yeah. Kets, I think I know what it is for the you covering a story. Are you talking about the tornado? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I was um, glued. Best story ever. It was the best worst story best story ever. Worst yeah. best, so well, it's the worst best story ever. May 4, 2003, um, we were living in the newer part of Carriage Hill Estates up in Kansas City North. Right. And uh, an F4 uh, tornado took my house and almost my family. Um. And it, it changed the fact that we all walked away from an F4. I'll go to my grave wondering, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Okay? That's number one. But number two, from a, um, from a, from a professional perspective, it, it really changed for me um, how I look at stories, mm -hmm. and especially tornadoes. You know, the one thing that I wish um, – and, and, and just real quick, you know, that was one of those stories where, you know, I had been in the business a while. I'd covered a bunch of tornadoes. I was yeah. stupid enough and arrogant enough to think, well, I know what how these scenes are. And I've been, seen it. Been, been there, done, done that. that. Yes. Okay. Right. Until it happens to you. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I didn't have a clue of what to do, what, how, what that next step would be. Right. And um, I wish someone would have told me that night. That somehow, some way, it's going to be okay. Okay, it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be next week. It's not going to be. It's not going to be for a while, but eventually, it's going to be okay. And every tornado that I have found myself in the middle of covering since May Fourth, two thousand three, whether it was Joplin, I was there that night, Jefferson City a few years ago. Mm -hmm. There was another tornado north of the river that did some significant damage. I've always made it a point. The people who were nice enough and gracious enough to share their stories with me, I've always made it a point to take them aside and put my arm around them and say, yeah. it's going to be okay. That's right. uh, it's, it's, again, it's not going to be anytime soon. It's just um, surreal. I mean, he calls it, the 1-800 number or whatever and says, we, we, we've just I, had I, a tornado. And the woman says to him, hand to God, she says... Uh, What's your policy number? I, I was yeah. I called. I, I called the insurance company. You know, once I don't I, have a house. Once I saw what little was left, um, I called. I called our insurance agent at the time, and I knew he had other clients in the neighborhood. Thinking that well, he's probably Carlos is probably in his office. Well, he wasn't in the office, but the one eight hundred number for the company was on the voicemail message, 
And so I call the 1-800 number, and guy picks up the phone, takes the call. And there was this sort of weird, awkward moment where I didn't even know what to say. Right. I just sort of blurted out, we just had a tornado. And the, it, wait, the pork chops that they were <laughs> marinating. This was, a, this was a birthday party at the time for okay. me and my for then fa- dinner, father-in-law. Remained. Everything around that house I was had, gone. I the had, pork chops are still sitting there. I, I had one inch. I had this huge platter of pork chops that were about to go on the grill, and then the tornado hits. And so, uh, and, and the, the platter of pork chops, one of the few things that remained on the counter through an F4 tornado. And at the time, the Fujita oh, scale. God, it's so weird. Wind between 205 and 250 yes. miles an hour. This is a big dog tornado. And, but, the, but the pork chops remained. But anyway, the 1-800 number story. So I just blurted out, we've just had a tornado. And the guy says, oh, my God, is everybody okay? And I said, yeah, we're, we're all here. And then there was a pause. He said, uh, what's your policy number? <laughs> I have no idea in my hey, policy. Hey, is, it's with the it's house. It's with the house. <laughs> but I can offer you a raw pork chop. Yeah. Because that's the only damn thing left here. You know, and that's one of the things that, that I tell people. Um, you... Uh, <laughs> You, you want to um, have that conversation with your insurance agent before something like this happens because that was a very sleepless night for me. I knew I had a policy. I knew I had coverage. I had no idea what was in it. Yeah, right. I had no idea. For all I knew, we were going to be sleeping in a tent as a family for the next year. Yeah. Yeah. And um, um, But you want to have that conversation about, about okay, if God forbid it happens, what's the process? Yeah. What can I expect? How do I take those next steps. Well, you would just pick up the phone and call Frank and Sarah. Well, like, yeah, exactly. We're coming over. We're coming over. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we anyway. got room. Come on over. Yeah. Come on but down. That, but that story um, really changed me in, in more ways than I could ever realize, certainly at the moment. Um, all the kids take it seriously now. Yeah, oh, you know, my kids, my kids. They hear those sirens go off? Yep. Jonathan and Jason, uh, my youngest wasn't born at the time, but Jonathan and Jason will never take severe weather for granted again. Right, exactly. And they know exactly what to do and when to do it. And so um, that's a lesson, the, the value of that lesson. I, I can't put a price on that. Yeah. Okay. Golf. How yes. tired are you of you? How tired are you of hearing about her holes in one? Her three holes in one. <laughs> her my wife. Not one. Not two. two. She has three. three. Yeah. On the same hole. Well, her father has four. Oh, dad has Craig four. Craig has so four. You still haven't caught him yet. Oh, we we were tied. You've got to meet my dad. In fact, we're going to make that happen this week because he's in town. We were tied for a long time. Yes. And then last year he got his fourth, and, and this is my dad. He has some guy tape him pulling the ball out of the, uh, out of the cup, and my dad picks up the ball in the left hand, flips me off with the right hand, and says, come and get it. I just got number four. That's my father. I just got my first hole-in-one on Easter Sunday. Oh, you did? Yes, yeah. I didn't did. know that. I'm so excited. Why didn't I see that on, all over on, social well, media? No, no, no. Where the heck was that? Uh, Every minute of the day, uh, repost, repost. Uh, I did it again. Here's the ball. Callaway, please bring me five dozen right. balls. And right. thank goodness I hit a, I hit a really good shot. Um, and Because I always thought if I ever got lucky enough to get a hole-in-one, yeah. it would be some worm burner, some weird carom yeah. off a tree. It would be some Squirrel freak. would carry yeah. it over Squirrel there. would carry it over. In, yeah. Some sort of freak event. <laughs> but I hit a really good shot. And w- so I hit a really good shot. And I saw it bounce. It was a back flag that day. It bounced in the front of the green. And so at that point, I'm thinking, I'm putting. Okay? I'm, I'm done. Bent down to pick up the tee. And the three people that I was playing with, Dana was with her dad down in Al- uh, Mississippi playing golf. 
Naturally. Naturally. And so I literally, I bent down to pick up the tee. Ron Weldon and Ron Popek said, at kind of, I think it's in. And I said, no, it's your, no, forget it. Yeah. And there was another very good mutual friend, Jake Fuhrer, happened to be walking down. He lives along that hole. He was walking down to join his mom, and they were at a party, which happened to be in back of the green. And so they all yell at Jake, check the cup. And so Jake walks up to the – and the first thing he did, did, does is he looks in back of the green. Yeah. Which yeah. is smart. Because that's it's, always where, it's always where it is. Which is always where it is. Which is always where it is. Yeah. And then he turned. He didn't say anything. Turned around, and we're heading up to the to the green. Turns around, looks in the cup, throws his arms up, and at that point, I blacked out. Yep. <laughs> this is the, this is the difference in, in in one short paragraph between Chris Ketz and Dana Wright. Ketz bends down to pick up the tee because right. he thinks he's putting. I hold the pose, wait for it to drop, and if it doesn't, <laughs> I'm pissed off. You will never catch me bending down. On the bounce, in case it dunks, picking up the tee, I just assume it's going in, Frank. He you know missed his own hole in one because he's picking up his tee. Kets, she's coming Kets up. She walks up like the pros. You know what? She, she walks up. She, she, she'll, Why not leave the tee? They make more. She hits. So she'll hit well, a yeah. shot. What'd you get it for? Wedding present? Right? <laughs> she'll hit. She'll hit. Now she hits a tee shot on a par three. And the first thing she says is, go in your hole. Go in your home. Go in your home. Go in your home. Go in your home. Now she ex- now she expects she's had yeah. three aces she expects that every time she walks up uh, to a par three, three she's going to get a it hole. Does always on the same hole though all, all three the were all three. on hole seven at our home course varying distances and they were got, all they were all front flags they, one was front one was yeah. two were front one was middle uh, listen to him trying to knock down my hole no, that was a front flag no, 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 no. how far was it uh, like one twenty three was one of them one nineteen and one twenty eight nine iron all of them uh, I got new irons so the first one was an eight iron and then I got new irons now it's a nine. Oh, so you hit them further now. Mm-hmm. We'll have to get out there and play. Oh, I can't handicap wait. Handicap versus handicap. Yeah, I can't we'll wait. Get, we'll get I can't wait. You're probably it. single. Are you single digit handicap? I can, I'm at 10 or 11. And Your gen I, numbers? Yeah. Right oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And if okay. I get, I've never been able to crack nine. But if I do, I don't feel like, it's like my weight. I don't know that I can maintain that weight. <laughs> Does that make sense? It makes sense. But we would be remiss if we did not. Chris and I get along very, very well. Yeah, here. Oh, uh, there you go. We, we, I'm a 19. Okay. We very, if ever, rarely fight or have an argument. And we're playing out at except, Shadow Glen, except a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. This we're well. at Shadow Glen. <laughs> yeah. On hole number one, I love that course, Shadow. I'm out there doing a practice a round go- before, they're, a good before they're a member guest. And I'm so excited. I, I beg them, can I bring my husband? You know, for, And we'll pay for the, his you round. You didn't have to. Whatever. Pay. You're not so, going to pay yeah, for so his we're, round. We're out there. And, and yeah, it's hole this, this one, well. and he takes a notoriously long setup time. And as you can imagine, Dana just gets up and whacks it. Let's let's go. So I'm waiting up toward the green, waiting for him to chip up. And he pulls up out of what I think is a wedge. And that thing comes flying toward Dana like a bullet. I, I shanked a seven iron out of some deep rough. Okay. Who and hits a seven iron from 67 were you, yards? Were you standing in front of him? Yes. I she was. Not Your fault. Not Forward her. Forward of the line. Lo- I was. Fault. You, my, not first his. thing my dad said, well, were you standing in front of him? That's right. Okay. I was ahead of the lateral line, yes. Okay. But all the way to the right. The flag was on the left. I'm like, take, just hit it. He takes like five practice swings. Hit the ball. Oh, he hits the ball. About takes me out on hole one. It, it came in low and hard. Oh hit her my gosh. in the like shin. A bullet. Uh, it, oh. And and it and there was a moment where I thought, 
oh my God, I we're talking about a broken or yeah. a, a yeah. fracture or something. Or I'm catching in that live insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which, That's what he thought. Damn. Damn. I hit her too low. Um, <laughs> and, too and, low. And so, so, you know, and I'll never forget that, you know, that moment where, okay, you know you've hit a bad shot. You see the, the line of the ball. It's flight. You know where it's going to go. You know it's yeah. about to there happen. There's no time. It happens. And so the first thing she – and I thought there would be a scream. I thought there would be some sort of cuss word. I thought something – no. <laughs> she just – she kind of gritted her teeth, turned away from me, and started walking away. And let the record reflect I parred that goddamn hole. Yeah, she did. <laughs> but but so the rest of that round, I'm I'm freaking out because, you know, you're, yeah. now you're, still now you're playing – Still got it. Yeah, yeah, still got it. Now you're playing the what-if scenarios, you yeah. know, if that ball had been higher. And sure. So sure. I – that was not a good day for me. No. I, it's I, funny I that we laugh Especially when she this. turns and walks away from Yeah. Me. Yeah, no, this – there the was – The whole time I'm telling everyone, he pulls up out of a wedge, and, they, and my – it was a – Significant injury. I was just, I, like, we had. I, yeah. I thought I had a no, blood clot. It, was, it so was pretty. The whole time, contusion everyone there, keeps yeah. saying to me, "How did he do that with a wedge?" Yeah, I went a wedge. So we're playing. We, we are running thought, one night. She with thought a it was a wedge. And, and I'm telling wedge. the story, and I go, "How that happens with a wedge?" And finally, I, he fesses up, and he goes, no. "Wasn't a wedge. It was a seven iron." I, and somehow that makes me feel better, but I'm also I, like, who hits a seven iron? No, no, no. 67 yards no, out. No, I wasn't. It, it's in the weeds. We weren't 67 out. I was more like I was more like 130 out. Yeah. Okay. Right, I wasn't right. 67. I shot it. I went back a week later. It was. It 67 was not. Yards. It was not. It was not. It was. I was like 130 out. I'm just trying to get it back on Main Street. Okay. I'm not looking to get Absolutely. on the green. We found Main Street. I'm just and then get back on the fairway. Let's go. Let's go play. So, yeah. Doggone. I can't thank you. We didn't even get to the prices right. I know oh, you God. want a car. And I saw the after party, and you couldn't tell anybody. And you're, you're, you it's know, she wouldn't even tell me. She wouldn't even tell me. For you, that may have been your best moment in life, not yeah. being able to tell something you weren't supposed to tell. Oh, I was dying to tell people. Uh, I had to a, sign something that I said, You sure I can't tell anybody? Not no. one person? No, not and even the, uh, the, the, the tax consequences were something we had to deal with later. But. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I've heard about that when you win yeah. the If you go on a game big, show, you want cash. Prize. You want cash. You, you want, want cash. to win Plinko. Yeah. You, you know, it's a $25,000 car or 10000 cash. Take the cash. I will it, tell you this Scott Parks and Chris Kett said to me, why are you going on the prices right? That's the yeah. dumbest thing I ever. Scott goes, they only pick people out of big groups. And I go, not only, this is like my hole in one. I called the shot like Babe Ruth. I go, yeah. not only am I going to go on the prices right, I'm going to win the whole goddamn thing. And then when I did, <laughs> my God, I was just dying to tell somebody. <laughs> and, and just uh, going back uh, to answer your question about, about other jobs and stuff. Yeah. Simple answer. Um, have I had offers? Yes. I just, I never, when the offers came, I just never thought that, they were better situations than what I had here. Yeah. And that's not just work. That's life, family. Yeah, it's everything. everything. Yeah, right. I just never thought that the grass was necessarily greener on the right. other side. Because there's just something about Kansas City, dear. There you go. I love you, Frank. I'm going to leave it right there. I love you. Thanks. Back at you.